God goes to great lengths to rescue lost and hurting people. That's what the story is all about. The story of the Bible. God's great love affair with humanity. see everybody here today. Boy, what a great day. I'm just glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. And uh, there are some miracles among us, but more about that later. Uh, We're in this series, uh, The Story, and we're in chapter 24 entitled No Ordinary Man. So if you're just checking in with us uh, recently, it's the first time, there's a story Bible. As you exit the auditorium to your right, you'll see a story display, and you can just pick up one of those story Bibles. It's not all the Bible, but it is all Bible and tells God's upper story, and in the process, you'll find more about your story. Jesus was no ordinary man. He had power over nature. He had power over demons. He had power uh, over, uh, of, of all things, except the one thing that was a challenge to him, the biggest challenge that any man or woman would ever face, is dealing with the human heart. And so Jesus, the God-man who performs these miracles, establishes his deity, but yet to establish authority in the human soul is a whole nother ballgame. It's easier to feed 5,000 people than it is to bring one sinner home. Really, it really is. Um, Many of the times when he would preach, people would mishear his message. And so I looked up this term. It's it's actually a word to to miss here. It's a politely way of saying that you weren't listening when somebody was talking to you, right? I must heard you. Could you say it again, right? And so uh, uh, I looked up the top 10 uh, most misheard song lyrics, all right, misheard song lyrics, and they are hilarious, all right? So the first one I'm going to start out with today is from Jefferson Starship. Any Jefferson Starship fans in the house? Doug, raise your hand. All right, yeah, so yep, they're back there raising their hand. All right, so uh, here we go. You ready? We built this city. We built this city on sausage rolls, right? <laughs> you thought it said rock and roll. No, right? All right. Here's another one by Bob Dylan from any Dylan fans in the house, right? A couple Dylan fans. The ants are my friends. They're blowing in the wind. The ants are blowing in the wind. All right, that's what, this, that's like number two of the one, uh, most misheard misheard song lyrics. Uh, the next one is by an all-time favorite. Right, his name is Elvis. You ready? Dun 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 dun. We're calling a trout. Dun dun dun. We can't walk out. Remember that one? We're calling a trout. Right for real. For Will, and, and here for the Chatham folks, right, uh, uh, here's one by Eddie Money, right? I've got two chickens to paralyze. <laughs> yeah! Where's your lighters? <laughs> so, so, and then there's Big Bird that was normally Free Bird. Anyway. So uh, there's a lot of misheard song lyrics, and sometimes we, we are misheard by others. We mishear people, but when it comes to the communication of the gospel, uh, we don't want to mishear that. 
and there was a lot of mishearing, there was a lot of shallow hearing, if you will, uh, when Jesus taught, and he addresses that. And so I don't want you to hear, mishear me talk on Sundays or Jesus. There's some things you can do to be ready to hear the gospel. So here's a couple of them. Here's how not to mishear a sermon. And don't anyone say, well, you just don't show up. That's, that's not fair. Uh, practice daily devotions. At least four times a week, be in God's word. Allow God to speak to you and listen and meditate. And maybe you have something to respond back to him in prayer. Uh, be rested and arrive to church early. Now, many of you are like going, man, I'm glad today I was on time. And some of you weren't on time, and you don't care that I'm calling you out right now, right? Because your kids, you know, like threw a dirty diaper across the room or something, right? Uh, next one is expect a community experience with Jesus. We pray, we really pray every week that Jesus would come to church with us. Have you ever been into a church and you didn't know if Jesus was there or not? I have, right? We pray that you experience the presence of Christ in a, in, in a community of believers. It's really a unique and special experience. We ask, uh, or you should ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand. There are many things in the Bible that are difficult to understand and to apply to our lives. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to help us make application to what God's teaching is so that we can become more like Jesus. Take notes. There's a bulletin guide. You can, you can write, jot down a, a thing or two on that. Maybe, maybe in the song, you, there's a certain song. You're like, man, that song really spoke to me. Write that song down. Take notes. And... And, and use that, that small group guide on the front of your bulletin to, to, to go a little bit deeper into the topic, to think a little bit more concretely about things, and then share the message. Now, what I mean by this uh, at the top level, like you can share this sermon uh, by giving a CD away or, or forwarding it through a link like through YouTube or Facebook. You can you know, share those types of things. But uh, even a little bit more deeper, each and every time we come together, God is trying to move us forward in our relationship with him. And there's maybe one or two things that are really important to you. And when you begin to share that with others, it, it, it's reinforced into your understanding. And, and, and you know, and you've had this experience, if you've taught anything, when, when, a, when somebody's preparing to teach, the teacher always learns more than the student, right? Because you have to prepare, right? So it helps you to, to share what you've learned. So... So these are just some, some helpful things to, to practice. Now, I know we're going to have to have, like, more coffee next time because all you're going to get here early next week, right? Yeah, you're going to, oh, well, anyway, we hope so. In, in this story, in this story uh, Jesus encouraged everyone to be prepared to listen to him. He wanted their attention. And the thing that he talks about the most is the kingdom of God. He's come to establish a new kingdom. And so uh, one of the most primary ways that he taught was through parables. So between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there are 35, at least 35 parables in these Gospels. And, and they're, they're, they're always talking about some aspect of the kingdom of God. It's either talking about the kingdom itself or Jesus himself or us as followers. More than 100 times in the Gospels, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. It's the one thing he just wanted everyone to hear him well on because it was a matter of life and death. To be in the kingdom is life. To be outside the kingdom is death. And so he wanted people to understand about this kingdom he was establishing. Now, the Jews, 
They had great misunderstandings about God's kingdom. They were expecting a kingdom like that of David, a kingdom that was, had military might with an earthly leader that would conquer the Roman Empire that was uh, oppressing them. But Jesus' kingdom is vastly different than anything they had anticipated, and that's why he taught so much on it, and that's why they misheard so much on it. And so in the parable of the sower, Jesus is going to teach about his kingdom and that it is not like any earthly kingdom, and it arrives like no earthly kingdom. So Matthew 13, beginning in verse 1, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. They were standing and he was sitting. And so today in this sermon, to illustrate that, I'm going to have you stand the entire sermon and I'm going to sit down. Everybody's standing up at once. All right, no, we're not doing that. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, but uh, we're not doing that. Just, that's silly. Uh, because you're taking notes and you're just paying attention, right? Okay. Uh, but then he went on to say, A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160, 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let them hear. Later on, Jesus says, in the explanation, he says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. That this, this is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, he lasts uh, only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who's received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. But the one who's received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. This is God's word. This is his revelation for us today. And I hope that you are hearing what he is speaking to you. All right, so understanding God's word is a life and death matter. And in Luke, Jesus uh, is recorded in saying this. Pay attention on how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them there's a clue here there's something very important here every time there's the the attempt to share god's word word of christ to people there's also an attempt to have it removed from a person's heart and so uh in this in this what we're talking about right now what's taking place right now is a spiritual battle there's this battle going on. God wants to get you closer to him through, through the word of Christ, through Jesus. And Satan doesn't want that to happen. 
And so the focus here is not really on the sower in this parable. The focus really here is the response of the seed in the soil. What's, what's taking place in that soil? How is, how is the seed received? How, what is the fate of the seed is really what we're talking about here. And so in this parable, the kingdom of God comes through hearing the word of Christ. There's, therefore, be careful how you hear. Are you listening? Are you, uh, I mean, I understand I've been in this place where we're listening to someone talk and it might be a classroom, it might be a, uh, it might be a church service and our, and our attention span's going in and out. I get that. But if we're prepared to hear from the word of the Lord and we're really focusing in, we, we will receive the word of Christ and it will be fruitful in our lives. The kingdom of God, you see, enters our lives organically. Now, I know that word is overused, right? There's organic everything. There's even organic engine oil now, which is amazing. But, uh, but anyway, the kingdom of God arrives organically in our lives. And the reason I chose that word is because when you think about how the kingdom of God comes into our being, it's way different than any other kingdom that we experience in this world. So human kingdoms, there's several of them. But, um, you know, there's the human kingdom that a teenager has at high school trying to get into a peer group. There's a certain group they try to get in and, they, you know, they're trying to please that group or become like that group. And they have to enter that, that kingdom with great effort and, 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 and maybe changing who they are. There's that uh, kingdom of the university, the college campus, of getting in the right place, like maybe Stanford. You might need your parents to help buy your way in, right? There's that type of entering that kingdom. It comes by, you know, like with, with great effort or with great, with great diligence or with some help from a rich parent. Uh, and then there's that king, kingdom of vocation, right? So there might be a certain, uh, certain job position you want, a certain uh, job that you'd like to do. And to get in there, you have to work really, really hard at it. So there's those types of kingdoms that require great effort on your part to enter into. But not so with the kingdom of God. It enters like a seed falling to the ground. The kingdoms that the Jews were dealing with, the kingdom of Rome was, was, was a kingdom that entered everyone's world by force, outside force. It was like, imagine a boulder at the top of a hill, and the boulder comes down the hill, crashing and mashing everything in its path. Trees are being crushed, plants are being crushed, little rabbits get out of the way, right? Some of you are glad that I said that. You know, I mean, this, this, this boulder is crashing down the hill. And that was the kingdoms that the Jews had experienced, even their own kingdom. But the kingdom of God works very differently. Rather than a boulder crashing down a hill, the kingdom of God is like a seed that splits the boulder in two. Maybe you're like me and you've seen a tree like this in your walks through the woods where there's a tree growing straight up out of a rock and it's, the rock has been broken apart. How did this tree begin? It began with a pine cone, a very small seed underneath that boulder and eventually that boulder is broken in two by a small seed. This is the kingdom of God. This is how it works. It works different than all other kingdoms that we deal with. This is why it's hard to grasp. This is why it's difficult to understand what Jesus is talking about. In Matthew 13, 33, or 13, he talks about the 
kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It was the smallest seed known to them at that day. And Jesus talks about this very small seed growing into a very, very large plant. And then in verse 33, he talks about the kingdom of God is like yeast. Yeast put into dough, and that, that dough is, goes from one small little uh, thing, I, I guess, because I don't cook bread, but, uh, but anyway, uh, and then it, it grows, grows greatly because of the leaven and, and the effect that it has on that. So when, when, when we think about the kingdom of God, you have to grasp this first part, that it is different than anything that you know on this earth because it is not from this earth. It is a supernatural kingdom established by God himself. So this is very important. Now, <clears throat> most of us, I think, though, would rather have the kingdom work like a boulder. Most of us probably would. God, just, just get me to stop smoking. God, can you, just, can you make me stop drinking? Can you make me stop cussing? Make me stop kicking my dog and kicking my cat? And, and, and you know, like, just change my behavior from the outside in. Isn't that how we would like the kingdom to work in our own lives? Just, just fix it, Lord. Fix my marriage. Fix the finances. Fix whatever. Just from the outside in. That's most of the time. That's how we would like God to work. But it doesn't work from the outside in. God's kingdom works from the inside out. You parents admit it. There's some point in time when you'd like to jerk little Tommy up out of his chair, Right? And take him back into the bathroom and wash his mouth out with soap. And some of you are like, yeah, that's exactly what we've done. Right? That does not change them. You cannot fix a child from the outside in. You have to work on the core values of that child. You have to work on the, on the inner circle of that person. And begin to teach them the values you want them to know about and experience. And model that in front of them and the behaviors will follow. It works from the inside out, not the outside in. John the Baptist, uh, the forerunner of Jesus, he was confused about how the kingdom worked. He was in prison. He begins to question if Jesus is really the Messiah. And uh, he sends messengers to go ask him, is he the one? John was not afraid. He was in prison. He hadn't died yet, but he's going to be beheaded by Herod. But, but John was not afraid of death, but he was confused. It, it wasn't a fear problem. It was a theological problem. He didn't, he'd never experienced a kingdom working like. Get this, the greatest of all prophets, John the Baptist, could not figure out how the kingdom of God had arrived so quietly <laughs> like a seed on the ground. And so... Uh, that's the same way we struggle. We, we have failures in understanding this kingdom because it is unlike anything that we know about. The agnostic, if there's some here today that are wondering about God's existence and God's reality in their own life, you might ask God to do some type of miracle. Maybe he could come down in front of the cameras of the network television and do some kind of miracle and just prove to everyone that he's really God. Or maybe you would just like God to fix your kid or fix your spouse or, or fix that boss. Like, just, God, I prayed for that. Fix him and I'll believe. Like, that's the agnostic way of understanding the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like a boulder going down a hill. The kingdom of God works like a seed cracking the boulder from the inside out. And by hearing the word of Christ and implanting that in our hearts, it begins to break the hardness of our hearts. You probably have met one, or maybe you is one. A person that was once loud, 
and obnoxious and braggadocious and angry and self-centered and all about your will being done in every situation. And, honey, that was never you. I just know could never have been. It, all right. All right. So we're getting into some testimony. <laughs> what I'm saying is that, that, that you have either known someone like that or maybe you were someone like that. And you can't believe the dramatic change. Our elder was talking about the dramatic change that God had brought into his life. And, and that's how the kingdom of God works. It works from the inside out. It works quietly. It works like a seed. It takes time. But God is working. When we hear the word of God, we will respond. This next uh, teaching video will help you understand how God's word works in your life. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, If you Shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word Shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you Shema Shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action, and that's the Hebrew word Shema.
Real listening takes effort. Real listening will result in some type of action. Real listening will result in, in seeing the kingdom of God uh, put on flesh and bones in our own lives. And so uh, Jesus is essentially with these four soils given four hearing tests, four ways to test to see if you're really hearing what he's saying. And in the first test, uh, on the hard soil, he's talking about beware of listening only with intellect. It's a seed that fell on the hard soil, and it can't germinate unless it goes down deep and gets off the surface down into where the, the moisture and where it can flourish. And so uh, this is how this works. There are people who will go to a church, and they'll hear a sermon, and, and, or maybe you've had this experience, you've heard this, and you've read something in the Bible, and you're like, man, that, that's me, right? You're like, that. That's, that's, that's that foul attitude. I, I, I'm reading about it. Like, you know, Jesus is talking about it. Or this is, that, this is that wrongness that I can see in myself. And you're like, man, that, that's me. And then you go out or you close your Bible and you go about your day and nothing changes. So two things have happened. The word of Christ has fallen onto your hard soil, and then Satan has come and removed it. A spiritual battle has just taken place in your life, and it's went against you because the word has been taken from your heart. And so when we talk about this, when you're hearing this, we're talking about uh, a mystical, if you will. Uh, not, I don't want to use the word magic, but there's an experience that's taking place where we're hearing the word. And how we respond determines how that seed will grow or, or not grow. The next test is that of being aware, beware of listening only with emotion. Only with emotion. This is the rocky soil. This is the soil of shallow faith. And this is the person who's very excitedly said yes to Christ. They've raised their hands. They've ran around the room. They're so excited about Jesus, but then... Troubles and suffering come. That's the rocks and the difficulty of the, the seed dies. And, and, and in, that, in that person, they wanted Jesus to come into their kingdom. They weren't responding to Jesus' invitation to come into his kingdom. Jesus will never, ever bless his competition Never. Jesus is working in his kingdom. And if you'd like to join him, that's where he's at. But he's not going to join you in your kingdom building. He's only going to be involved in building his kingdom because his is eternal. And the purposes and the things that we need are found in his kingdom. They're not found in ours. Ours are short-lived, like a vapor, like a mist. And so these types of people, they see Jesus as a blesser, not a savior. They see Jesus as a service provider who's going to fix this part of their life but jesus has not come to be a service provider he is king he is lord he is your boss he is my boss he 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 gives me commands and i follow and this is how it works as long as jesus is seen in that way the seed will die because the goals aren't met by that individual the next listening test is to beware of listening with a divided heart and this is the thorny soil and in this group, they're, they, they're partially committed. They're, they're generally committed to the Lord, but they're also committed to something else. They're also committed maybe to someone else. 
And so they have this division in their heart. And, and so in the first two tests, in the first two soils, people walk away and they think God's a myth. But in this soil, these people live miserably. They're living on the fence, which is not comfortable. And so they're living in this divided world. And this group knows that God is real, but they're miserable because their heart is divided. They just begrudgingly do what God asked them to do. They know he's real. They know, these, they, they know his words have meaning, but they're, they're really not completely surrendered. You parents, you know this. When you ask your kids to do something, and the only reason they do it is because they fear the punishment to follow or you know, they're not going to get the gummy bears or whatever, right? Whatever your kid wants. And so they, the child obeys begrudgingly. That's the third soil. Like, I say it this way. One of the longest roads people ever walk when it comes to Jesus is they walk this road from I have to to the road I get to. I get to go to church. I get to tithe. I get to serve. I get to give praise. I get to, I get to do this. I'm excited. I want to do this. I, if I could give it all away, I would. You know, like... I guess I got to pay some bills along the way, but you know, the whole idea is that like we can't wait to serve the Lord. Can I get a witness? Is anybody, I'm preaching. Are you listening? Hey, can you hear me? I'm asking you, are you responding in your heart? Are you hearing? Are you listening? Are you excited about God's kingdom? This earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. This nation will one day not raise a flag. I love this nation, I want to live a long time, right? But one day I know the kingdom of God will rule all heavens and all earth. And this will just be a small blip in history. Like, get it. Like, we have to grasp it. This is eternal. The last test is the test of the good soil, a seed that's received deeply into the heart of an individual. And this is the most important thing. And, and, and here's, here's the point about this. Because I, my guess is everyone in this room wants to become more like Jesus. It's just my guess, I'm hope, my, my prayer, right? And along the way, you get frustrated with yourself, just like I get frustrated with myself. I can't believe I judged them just like that in my mind. I can't believe I said that, came falling out of my mouth. Where did it come from? Just like that. This attitude, I, I got mad in a moment. Where did that come from? Just like that. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I'm a preacher. <laughs> I'm trying to follow Jesus, you know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be an example, and yet I'm... I, I, where did that come from? I got good news. God's the gardener. You're not the gardener. You're the soil. God comes along and he removes those rocks and he digs out those tree roots and he pulls out those varmints and insects and all those things that are trying to destroy what he's trying to do. And let me tell you, he's very protective of what he's doing. A couple of years ago, I made a terrible error in judgment and decided to put a garden in my backyard. <laughs> what I was thinking, my wife wanted one, and I obliged as best as I could, but I am not a gardener. I tried. I really tried. We went away on vacation, I think, one time, and we, were, we came back. There was a tree, not that I planted, in the garden, in the garden, and I had to dig it out. And lo and behold, for about four or five years, it kept coming back. I'm like, where, does, where is this coming from? I called it the Satan tree. Like, it just had these deep roots. Like, and, and eventually, I did what most gardeners do. I, I now have a place to play volleyball. on a, <laughs> And it's just great. It's just wonderful. You just mow it. 
Uh, but anyway, I, for all you gardeners out there, I, I get it. Uh, you know the hardships of keeping a good garden. But God's the gardener. He's the one that's going to pull out the rocks and the roots and the trees and the varmints and all that type of stuff. So take heart. God will do the heavy lifting. He's at work in your life. He has not given up on you. I would have. But God has not, right? And so you and I, the way we do this, the way we allow the seed to get deep into our lives is we, you need three things. You need a place to read God's word. You need a plan to read through God's word. And you need a pen. Place, a plan, and a pen. And what you do, you, 15 minutes a day, you begin reading God's Word. I'm using the YouVersion Bible app. A couple other guys are reading through with me. And I get up in the morning and I read God's Word and I respond to it. I, what, how's God speaking to me? And I, and I do that at least four times a week. I reflect on what God's speaking to me. I jot down things that are, that are meaningful to me. And I'm allowing that seed to go deeper down into my being. And, 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 and I'm hearing, I'm trying to hear well. I'm trying to listen well. Because I want to be just like Jesus. I want to be just like Him. And so, it's so hard to receive the kingdom of God because it's so different than anything we've ever experienced. Now, this is a picture of the islands of New Guinea. And in 1930, there were some Australians, too, as a matter of fact, two men went to these islands and they discovered some tribal people who had never been discovered. They had, these tribal people had, had never experienced anyone from the outside. And so they were amazed when they met these men. They were actually terrified by them. They uh, uh, watched them bathe in the river with soap, and they thought that there was some kind of poison coming out of their body as they saw the suds float down the river. Uh, one of the men had dentures, and uh, he pulled his teeth out in front of the natives, and they... They thought he was a monster, right? One night, they're walking with a candle and a lantern, and, uh, and they thought they had captured part of the moon and put it in a glass box. Like, they had never met anyone from the outside world. They could not fathom how, where these people came from. That is exactly what it's like for us when we really begin to think about the kingdom of God and the Lord over all, Jesus. It's, it's so vastly different. Let me give you some illustrations. Bless those who persecute you. That person you hate, do something kind for them. Pray for your enemies. I'm pretty good at cussing them. Jesus says pray, pray for them. When someone who has taken advantage of you uh, ask you to do something, go the extra mile. Where did that come from, Jesus? Do you see what I'm saying? That like when we really begin to consider the kingdom of God and how it impacts our daily existence, it's so foreign from anything that we know. We don't see it modeled in most places. It's so dramatically different. It's like someone from the outside world has come into our world and has begun to tell us, I'm here to establish a new kingdom and your rules don't apply. 
Let me give you a new way to be human. And this is what Jesus does. The kingdom of God, you see, is received through the word of Christ. So listen carefully, not casually, not just in passing by. Take it in deeply. Research has shown that those people who engage in Bible reading at least four times a week feel better about their own self-image, who they are. They have stronger marriages, and they also have better and healthier habits in their life. God's Word begins to transform us. But when you read God's Word, when you hear God's Word, don't just pursue information. I know we love facts. I know we love details. We like to, like, what is the, you know, intricacy of this thing? Or what with the end times? Let's talk about the end times. Let's talk about how, okay, maybe that's not a bad conversation, but... Pursue transformation more than information. How will this change the way I speak? How will this change the way I give and share? How will this change the way I serve and mentor or or minister to other people? Like this is what God's word is trying to do in our lives. And, and, And then as we begin to implement it in us, it changes everything about us. And there are, so, there are so many stories. I heard one this morning. I can't wait to hear the rest of it. About how Christ dramatically changed this person. There, you know some of these stories. Maybe you are that story. God is at work in our lives. But the way it works is to listen carefully and let it sink down deeply. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for an opportunity to talk about this parable. I have heard so many sermons about this parable. It's really the key parable to understand all the rest of them. And I never tire in hearing about this this story, this story of the sower casting seed. And so, Father, I'm praying that today your seed has been sown. I, I know, I've read the word, so I know... It's been sown, but we have no control over the soil. The people here, the listeners, are determining what type of soil they are right now. So, Lord, my prayer is that Satan doesn't steal any of the good seed that's been sown. And if I have sown anything that is just for me, I pray that it would be removed. That just simply and solely the word of Christ would be implanted deeply. And Lord, it is also my prayer that you would give increase. That you would begin to change and transform people's thinking. And that behaviors would change and attitudes would change. And and goals would change and purpose in life would change. And I'm just thinking about some of the responses that happened in first service of people like, man, I, I just really want Christ the very center of who I am. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm asking right now that you would move into our hearts in the way that you want to move and that you would cause your word to flourish and that we would become more like you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.